This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 40. Hey, speaking of the number 40, did you know that the square root of 40 is 6.32456? I don't think you give a damn. But you know, from the same website I got that, I found out that the number 40 is a pentagonal pyramidal number. What the hell does that mean? You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I'm really glad that you're here. Today is actually a really special episode for me. I interview a good friend of mine, Alicia Essig. Alicia is the sitting president of the Greater Baltimore Board of Realtors. She is an executive business coach with the Tom Ferry Company, where she works primarily with people in the real estate industry to work on developing their businesses. She's also the top or lead, I should say, the lead agent on the Essex Bass team with Berkshire Hathaway PenFed Realty here in Baltimore. So, you know, she doesn't really have much going on. Anyway, her and I had a really great chat, a pretty wide-ranging chat, actually. We talked a lot about business. We talked about family, raising a family. We got into politics and some of the more interesting things going on in the sphere of politics and unfortunately the social issues that we're dealing with these days, which are never always the most fun things to discuss, but that do need to be discussed on a pretty regular basis. We had a we had a lot of fun with this one. Alicia is a great source of information. She's a great person to chat with. She's a lot of fun to talk to. And frankly, she is brash as hell, which is something that I love and appreciate about her more than almost anything else. I really look forward to this one going into it, and it did not disappoint. I had a blast. I hope you guys do as well. Really glad I got this one out to you guys, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Without further ado, I bring you Alicia Essig. Here we go. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Alicia, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I gave the audience sort of a quick, you know, minute or so flyover of your background and how you and I met originally, starting back in, God, 2002. Anyway. Um, was it that long ago? That's when I got in. That's when I got into the business. You were in it. Wow. Bef- you were in it before me. That seems like five minutes ago. I know. That's crazy. I know. I was twenty-two years old. <laughs> Horrifying. Anyway, um, I so- wasn't thirty yet. In O two, <laughs> I was twenty-eight. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, the audience had a little bit of a background of sure. ha- how we met and what your background is. But obviously, you, there's a lot more to you than what I might necessarily know. So what the, the audience doesn't know you at all. So why don't you just kind of give a little bit of background on that and we'll just sort of go, go from there. Sure. So I have been in the real estate industry since 1996. I got my start at, um, uh, this was like before the internet. I don't know if people remember that <laughs> or even, you know, like the word podcast didn't exist. Um, but in 96, there was a, a service called Apartment Search, and Apartment Search helped people find apartments. And um, 
I found the place because I needed an apartment. And then um, in very much Alicia fashion, which is how I am still today, 20 plus years later, um, I walked in there. I liked it. I also needed a job along with an apart with an apartment. And they did not help me find an apartment, but I pestered the, the heck out of them to hire me. And so then they hired me. <laughs> So um, I liked the whole concept of helping people find a home okay. and I was good at it. And um, and so, you know, from 96 to 98, the Internet showed up on the scene and the entire landscape of uh, how people found apartments changed because then there was the Internet and, and so forth and so on. And so I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. But I still liked the concept of helping people find homes, got mm -hmm. my license in 98 okay. and uh, and joined the office that uh, I am still with today. And the building that you're still with. The today. building, yes. It's yeah. been five different company names so since fun. then. Um, you know, welcome to the real estate world. Um, but the really cool thing about real estate is you can wear so many different hats mm -hmm. and really, in, really pursue whatever your passion may be. I mean, if your passion's cooking, then no, real sure. estate's not going to do it. But you really can pursue any kind of business-related passion in the real estate business. And yeah. I, I have worn a lot of hats and it's been awesome and I love it. And um, I think that everybody in their life has their own seasons. And so I've had my seasons of, you know, I, I got licensed. I, I sold as a solo agent for nine years-ish. Um, and then was given a, a fabulous opportunity to step into management, uh, which I did. And I, I stepped into management and I was a manager for about nine years and I learned just gobs and gobs of, of stuff about leadership and growth and business and psychology, um, psychology. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, that paved the way for a new season, which is Zoology. where I am now. Huh? <laughs> Zoology. Zoology. Yeah. <laughs> Herding cats. Um, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, uh, I, that paved the way for, uh, a new a new chapter a new season in my in my world where I just started about a year and a half ago I stepped out of management now mm -hmm. I work for a national training company and um, I'm running my own team whereas I was a solo agent back uh, the first the first round of sales uh, now I'm running a team so that's uh, that's kind of my my career in a nutshell um, I'm also very involved at the local board of realtors and uh, I've worked my way up. I'm, I was just installed as the 2018 Greater Baltimore Board of Realtors president. Very cool. Um, so you mentioned you've, you've worn a lot of hats over the years. Mm -hmm. What's been your favorite hat? Oh, what a question. Um, my favorite hat is probably the one I'm wearing now. I <laughs> I really like uh, I really like the, the hat I'm wearing now because what a great question. I never thought about it that way because I wear so many hats. Um, but I think the one now, because it's the most authentic to me mm -hmm. and who I am and really allowing just me to shine, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm 43, almost 44 now. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a, a very big, loud personality, you know, on a podcast you can't see. And if you don't know me, I have flaming red hair and I'm, you know, I'm not a little girl. I'm, I'm tall and, and, you know, and I'm loud and, and my whole life professionally and personally, people have kind of tried to quiet me down and, and tone me down. And, and this phase of my life, 
um, has really embraced the authentic version of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anybody telling me what I should or shouldn't do anymore or say or, or, say, yeah. or how to behave or any of that. So I think from an authentic standpoint, this is my favorite hat because it's taken everything that I've learned and coupled with the true version, raw, loud Alicia. <laughs> It was like it was like the raw, loud, brash, like the yeah, like you, you know, yeah, the me. You take me or leave me. Yeah, it's it like the me. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Um, how did how did you stumble into this opportunity? Like, how how did this come about initially? So, because um, you were at the time, was, you were a manager. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so when you're when you're well, I'm not saying everybody, but in in my world, I'm always learning, and. Um, <clears throat> Trying to uh, be a manager of independent contractors is very different than managing employees. Sure. And you can't just, you know, when one of your agents says, does something maybe wrong or incorrect, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't just reprimand them like a manager of an employee would be able to reprimand them. So I, I went on a leadership knowledge path Uh, and I sought out mentors and leaders um, to teach me how to be great at what I did Mm -hmm. and um, I came upon you know there's there's a ton of them because you know I think really you know the minute we get our license real estate agents then um, (laughs) companies are like "Ooh, we can sell you shit Um, and uh, and so there's so many you know quote unquote gurus out there that yeah. are going to help people build their businesses. Yeah. And, um, but I came across this one guy, his name's Tom Ferry. I don't know if you've heard of him, but, mm. um, he, um, little plug, number one real estate coaching company in the world. Um, he is a, um, he's genuine and his content is amazing. His energy is infectious. And so I latched onto it. I was learning a ton, bringing it back to my agents. And in that process, I somehow made myself known, um, I guess, in the realm of his company. And uh, he and their company reached out to me in the spring of 2015 and said, hey, we've identified you to be uh, a great coach with our company. Meaning that the way their company works is people um, sign up for regular business coaching, like life coaching or executive coaching, things like that. We do real estate specific business coaching. To, uh, so I, I help and coach realtors all over the country uh, in building their lives and their businesses. Okay. And um, so they approached me. It was a, a pretty stringent vetting process. Even though they approached me, uh, I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And um, it was a really great opportunity to take all the skills that I had learned as a manager and, and grow that and step into a national position um, and hone the, um, the parts. You know, you asked me what hat I, lo- I, I like wearing the best. When I was a manager, the hat I liked wearing the best was the agent development and working with people to help them. Because real estate is one of these businesses that can take over your life if you let it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, my mission was to have my agents not let it take over their lives. And so I really liked the agent the, the agent development part, uh, the, okay. the harnessing of the business, you know, treating it like a business, treating it, mm-hmm. you know, you get up, you dress up, you show up, and it, it's not you're you're not reading emails and responding to text messages in your in your pajamas. You're you're treating this like a job. Yeah. You go, you work from the office, you go to and from the office, then you go home, and then you go home, and then you go home. Yeah, um, and that's not 
you know, the, the, the route that this business has gone um, necessarily, but there's still a, a sort of dying breed of people that get up, dress up, and go to the office. Yeah. Um, and that I'm, I'm one of them. And that's the, t- the type of team that I've, I've developed. So where I am right now is I, I had this opportunity to step into this man, uh, the coaching role, um, which then had me step out of the management role. So I now coach realtors all over the country, and I am in the midst of growing my own team. Cool. Now, the, back in sales of of the people that you coach, of mm-hmm. the people that you coach now, mm-hmm. you start you started coaching at the beginning of this year. No, I started coaching uh, in August of twenty fifteen. Okay, so it's been some time. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Um, what sort of the cross section? Like, what what do you what do you see among the people that you coach? Like, what what are what what's the common thread between between them? Start start with what's like what's the common thread, but then also, what why is why is that common? I'll tell you where I'm going with this question sure. in a second. But like what 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 how wide of a range does that common thread bring people in from? Like what the, you've got the, when you look at people that are in the real estate business. Just but when my my experience from people that are in the industry, you have the guy that's you know John Wendell Tillington the fifth that's you know, only does the five million dollar, five to fifty million dollar properties, you know, mm-hmm. you know, out in the countryside, and you know, the horse farms up in northern, northern, northern and western Maryland, and that's it. Mm-hmm. All the way down to the guy that never leaves his block in West right. Baltimore, but that's his, that's his, that's his people, that's his market, that's his thing. But they all have a lot of some similar, you know, there's some similarities, and then there's the guy that only does. Ag, you know, agricultural, right. agricultural work, like out in the Midwest, like what, yep. what's, what sort of the, what's so the cross section look like? And then what's, what are the similarities? So the cross section of clients, you know, um, of the clients that I either have currently or have had, they've come in my, what's called come in my schedule and then yep. maybe they've left. Um, I've had, I have agents all over the country, wide range of production levels. I have, um, I've had two Canadian clients, um, I have uh, clients in LA, Newport Beach, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Florida, uh, North Carolina, Minnesota, uh, Arizona. I've had them all over the place. Okay. And um, at the beginning of that list, I was going to start saying it was like all those low rent districts, like yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you've got oh, uh, who was it? Uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know where his average sales price was like one eighty. Yeah. You know. Um, I so I interviewed. I interviewed. I'm sorry to interrupt. They, I interviewed a real estate investor in episode um, named Jacob Ayers. He's a fellow podcaster as well. Okay. And uh, he's 27, and he does all of his work. He's from Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. and he does all of his investing in Oklahoma and Texas. And you know the median prices that he's looking at are like twenty five thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars for a house. And he said specifically, he's like, he's like, wait, he's like, what's this guy saying? He's like, there, there's places in America where you can buy houses for twenty five thousand dollars. He's like, yes, there are. Yes, yes, there are. They they do still exist. Like, yes, there you know, are. If you're um, looking at an, he's like, if you're looking at an ocean, you haven't seen prices like that for a mm-hmm. while. But there are still places in this country where you can mm-hmm. buy a house for twenty five thousand dollars. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, you know, a wide cross section and, um, you know, that the question you asked me is what's the common thread and, um, I'm going to go deep on you. Okay. It's fear. Okay. Tell me more about that. So it's, um, it's fear of 
a number of things, really. And so, you know, when, when you first asked me the question, my first answer was time management. Okay. But then when I thought about my answer a That's little a bit. Cop, yeah, huh? a little, little bit of a cop out um, yeah, because everybody has. So they say everybody has that problem. Right. But the, I think that the yeah. time management issue stems from fear. Okay. And, and the reason is because, in my opinion, this is part of also what I've learned over the years. In my opinion, um, we always have time for what we want mm -hmm. or what we're not afraid of. Mm -hmm. But the minute we are uncomfortable or not afraid of something, we suddenly don't have time. Mm -hmm. So I believe, and I'm really just making this up as I go along mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, so you're getting like raw brain here. Um, I believe that, that the time management <laughs> issues are rooted in a fear. And so, you know, I, I've had clients who, uh, for example, uh, the gentleman that I had a call with this morning, he, um, he's in Brooklyn. He works with big, big, huge developers that you know they contract that you know you know i don't know who's all going to listen to this but you know you, you go out on a listing appointment you get one listing this guy goes out on a listing appointment and he you know he he books a building with mm. you know 20 units yeah. or 100 units you yeah. know each of which sell for six hundred thousand dollars a piece <laughs> um his his issue is he has a fear of letting go because the biggest thing that I've been telling him today was hire someone, hire someone, hire someone. That's honestly my, one of my common threads is with all kinds of people, mm. no matter what the issue is, it's hire someone. Yeah. Because I think a big mistake that realtors make is thinking that they can wear all the hats yeah. and that they can do all the hats well. Yeah. You know, I, I joke with my, um, my operations manager, coordinator for our team, that you know, I have the organizational gene. I can create the system. I have no interest in executing it, executing it, even a little bit. And so I, you know, we create it, we go over it, we review it, and then you can do it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, not my wheelhouse. So you know, I'm. I think from from the guy who can't let go and thinks that his clients only want to talk to him, to the girl who um, doesn't want to make the phone calls because she's a little bit afraid mm -hmm. that of either rejection. And so again, you know, when you don't want to make the phone calls because you want you need to prospect, then suddenly we find other things to do. <laughs> and then suddenly we're too busy yep. to make those other calls. Things to do. Because now there's other things to do. So I think that, you know, the biggest common thread would be fear. And it's funny because the and the, those things that we find that don't necessarily hurt as much, like that those can come from any area of your life. And that's the funniest thing that I've noticed about independent contractors or, you know, entrepreneurs like myself, where when you are in full control of your own schedule, mm -hmm. which is something that's that's rare, like that, that only a certain mm -hmm. small percentage of the population has a control of their own schedule within reason. Like mm -hmm. I think it's less less than 20% have any say whatsoever outside of must get here by 8:30. You is like you clock out by four thirty or five, mm -hmm. and and then you go home. Like the the percentage of the percentage of the population that has even the partial freedom of telecommuting part of the time, it even falls within that less than twenty percent of the population. So there's not too many people that have a say, but for the ones that do, 
those distractions magically come from everywhere. Everywhere. Like, it could be, like, it could be, it could sound great, mm -hmm. and you could be at the office, and you could be online researching mm -hmm. marketing strategy. Like, I'll, I'll use your industry terminology for a second. Like, they could be online researching, you know, ways of new marketing and, you know, ways to publicize your publicize your reputation for lack of a better term like what like i it's like i want to learn how to be a better it's like i want to learn to blog because people think that that's a that's a big thing these days albeit you know 20 years late but anyway you know but you know that could be the procrastination it's like i want to learn to be a better blogger it's like how about you learn to do a better do a listing appointment better uh, uh but but blogging is really important okay yes yeah sure it's important um versus you know then then there's also the two and a half hours you spent on spent yesterday on Facebook, looking at what people were saying about the real estate market, ha 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 ha. As you're, you know, um, meanwhile you're looking at YouTube kittens uh, in between your research on Facebook. Right. Like I, there was a statistic that I mentioned on a recent show <clears throat> that I came across that was just absolutely terrifying to me. Instagram, for example. I'm not particularly big into Instagram. It's one of the platforms that I just haven't embraced yet mm -hmm. it's just not my thing not yet anyway the average instagram user average not the power users not the people that set up the account once when they got their smartphone because it came native on the program in on their phone and they never did it again the average instagram user visits instagram 35 times a day oh my god 35 times a day i'm like what the hell are you looking at that's so interesting? Like what? But it's 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 a distraction, mm -hmm. and it's the same with Facebook. It's a distraction. YouTube is like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's mm -hmm. addictive. Mm -hmm. Like it's like oh, it, there's no doubt. Its job, they that's how they make their money. Their mm -hmm. job is to keep your eyes on their website or mm -hmm. on their app as much time for as much time as humanly possible, and they are way better at it than you are at getting. Mm -hmm. Your eyes focused on where where they need to be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean the the their fear might fear might be the common thread, which I love the, the fact that that's sort of the thing because if they at, at, oh don't get me wrong, they don't know it. Oh, of course they don't know. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> yeah, they have sure. no idea that that's actually oh, yeah. the common thread. Oh yeah, sure. But, um, because because like I said, it manifests it into I'm too busy or I can't do that or I don't mm. want to do that or I'm not good at that or yeah. you know any number of other things. But ultimately, it's a fear based thing. Yeah, that's so funny. Now the you you mentioned about hire somebody that uh -huh. that's something that's something that has gotten so much easier today than it ever really used to be. Yes and no. How so? How so? Well, in, sorry to in interrupt. The, no, in the world of like say Upwork and. Fiverr and you know whatnot. Oh, well, like, if you're delegating little, little easy, easy delegatable tasks, sure, yes, sure, sure. But if you, if when you you're need, talking hiring, you're I'm talking to about an executive assistant. Got I'm it. talking about someone who has writing skills and and you know, forgive. Here, here's the pit bull in a china shop. <laughs> there's a lack of skills, mm. and there's you have two things going on with hiring. You, you in, in the coaching world. I finally get somebody to embrace the concept of okay, I'm going to hire someone, mm. but then they still don't get lo don't let go, and don't delegate the tasks, mm -hmm. and then the person that you've hired is now annoyed, and then they quit, or you or you end up firing them because mm. or you, you just didn't, you, you didn't hire right yeah you didn't do the right you know or and and um you know someone else that I've coached has been through three or four assistants oh my god 
um, and is just having a terrible time. One, I don't think she's a great leader. Mm-hmm. Two, um, I don't think she's hiring right. Yeah. Um, she's hiring the people that she likes instead of the hire, hiring the people that um, actually have the, the correct skills. Yeah. So you don't, you're not hiring a friend. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you have to hire, you have to understand, you know, there's something called a disc test. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand what your personality strengths are. And if you're looking to, you have to understand what your strengths and then what your weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. You know, there, I, I attended one of the seminars and uh, they basically, this guy stood on stage and he said the following. He said, draw a line down the middle of a page. On one hand, write things I love. On the other hand, write things I hate. And then hire someone to do everything on the hate column. Yep. Period. End of story. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a great place to start. And and being open and vulnerable. And, you know, I'll, I'll give Brene Brown a plug here because sure. um, I just, I love her stuff. And, you know, she talks about um, vulnerability. And one of my very favorite quotes that was, quite frankly, life-changing to me was, vulnerability is the birthplace of growth and creativity. And if you really let that sink in for a second and think about vulnerability and being vulnerable, meaning exposing yourself to hurt, pain, anger, mm-hmm. um, but open and accepting that is the birthplace of being able to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's where you know this concept of having two columns, things I love, things I hate, admitting that you hate doing that is vulnerable. It makes you look vulnerable. But being yeah. able to do that then allows you the space to say, okay, I'm going to hire somebody to do this stuff because I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I'm not good at it. And so being able to say that. But a lot of people in the real estate space think that they have to be good at everything and that they have to do everything. Yeah. Um, but that that being that vulner- vulnerable and saying, I'm not good at that. And, and that's okay. Yeah is going to give people that leverage and the freedom to not have the fear. Yeah. That's the other thing. Again, the fear. Yeah. They're afraid of being vulnerable, afraid of not exposing themselves and and looking badly to the public because it's a sales position. We are independent contractors. We're 100% commission. Yep. You know, our competition will cut you like, you know, like the piece of steak you are and sure. you know and, and chew you up and spit you out and so there's that fear so again that that kind of is that that common threat yeah yeah it's, it's interesting the that that quote on vulnerability from Brady Brown is great because it's unbelievable it's it's wonderful but it's interesting how much it translates to a, like it that it cuts across age as well because oh. I mean I've got you know the, and the audience knows like I've got a two and a half year old and now a seven month old in the house like we, you know, not so much teaching vulnerability to a seven month old, that'd be a little weird. But for the toddler, you know, when we're having conversations about like, what is she doing? How is she feeling? Is she getting angry? Is she getting frustrated? Is she whatever? We're teaching her these, this language. Like, and it's, it's amazing because it helps with her communication when she, like, she, she's had, like, we have a very headstrong toddler. She's really, like, she's annoyingly intelligent for her age. That's awesome. Which is amazing, but she is incredibly headstrong. She wants to try to do everything herself. And when it, things go wrong, before like she was getting angry and she would lash out. But when we started using the languages like Zoe, are you fr-, like Zoe, are you frustrated? And now she's 
like we've explained to her what that means and what what does it mean to you know you're, are you being shy are you being frustrated what are you angry and now she's using that language too and now she's learning to express herself using language using language like something like a, a toy that she's trying to mess with is like it's not doing what it's not it's supposed to and instead of picking it up and throwing it and you know stomping now she's you know slaps like slaps her thigh looks at us and says I'm frustrated, and it was like, well, do you like? Would you like? Would you like help with that? Yes, please. And they, we can actually figure, you know, we can figure it out. And it's amazing how that kind of crosses. You know, that goes away. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay for us to teach that to children. Everybody says yes. You definitely want to teach your children this because it makes parenting easier, and then, and it makes more complete adults. But then, by the time you get to adulthood, mm -hmm. it's like all that goes out the window. It's like well, it all that's goes because the of the other concept that Brene Brown talks about, which is shame and disconnection. Um, so she, um, she 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 has these two TED talks that are fabulously insightful, and um, she she talks she opens it up with, "Well, I study shame," and um, it's a. Uh, it's really a buzzkill when people go, what do you do? I study shame. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, you know, her, her books are amazing. And so she studies, she studies shame and how shame then creates disconnection. And so, you know, you just talked about how, you know, we're teaching kids, you know, being vulnerable, but somehow that goes away. And that goes away because of the shame. It goes away because suddenly people are afraid to look not strong, not smart, not this, not that, not enough, you know, and that's one of the things, you know, you asked me about my hats, what hat I like, I like the hat that I'm at now because I'm really focusing on empowering women. Mm -hmm. And I think one of women's struggles is, you know, I'm not enough, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. I'm not smart enough, pretty enough, loud enough, tall enough, short enough, skinny enough, busy enough, enough of a mother i'm not enough whatever that enough, whatever the enough is whatever yeah. the enough is and sure. so you know and then you then we become isolated which is the the connection which is ironically the disconnection with shame mm -hmm. you feel ashamed you suddenly feel disconnected then you feel in your own world and you don't want to it's that vulnerability that allows and this is you know i literally watched these ted talks this was probably in i don't know 14 2014 2013 or so mm. i must have watched them like seven times um because they were so powerful to me in in the the headspace that i was in at the time um because i was feeling ashamed and disconnected and um I needed to hear the message of just be vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, which was so freeing to me that I finally let it all out and said, okay, here's where I am. And that really helped pave the way for the transition that I needed to go through in order to get to where I am today. Now that, that transition, talk, walk, walk me through that transition a little bit. Like what, what were you what were you feeling through that transition like that you you were i knew you, that um, did, i needed a, i knew that i needed a change um you know i really enjoyed 
where I was um, with, you know, management and everything. But I knew that, you know, again, I, I feel like I have these nine year long seasons. And so I think I was, you know, eight years in or something. And I think that it was coming. The season was coming. Yeah. And um, winter is coming. Yeah. Winter is coming. I do not watch that show, by the way. Um, so I have no idea the reference. What the hell I'm talking about. I have about. no <laughs> clue what you're talking about. I know that it's about Game you of Thrones. You know it's a reference. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I knew that, you know, I was feeling um, kind of antsy and that I needed to do something a little bit different. And um, what it was was that I had to admit my discord. And, um, and like I said, when I did, uh, I feel like that... Um, Interestingly enough, you know, how the new opportunity came was not even remotely connected. It's not like anybody knew, but I think that it just allowed the space mm. for that to show up in my life. And um, so I had the conversations that the hard, the hard, vulnerable, ugly conversations that, you know, need to be had. And I've never been one. It's, it's kind of a specialty of mine. I've never been one to shy away from the difficult conversations. Like, that's what made me a great manager was that I could sit down with an agent and talk to them about where they were in their space. But, you know, hypocritically so, it was hard to do it um, from my for myself because I was feeling ashamed and I was feeling disconnected. And so I did need to just come out with it, basically. And so I did, and the the weight and the light was incredible. Yeah, the that sort that sort of a transition that sort of a transition isn't easy isn't easy for anybody. Like it's a, that that's a that's we mentioned common thread earlier. That is like the common thread that I've noticed. The common thread that I've noticed through a lot of my guests is that you know, the transitioning from one area of life, whether that be jobs, whether that be starting a business, whether that be you know, getting divorced, whether, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, um, whatever, whatever it might be like that, that transition is always the hardest. Cause like you said, whenever, whenever you're transitioning from one huge area of your life, when, and when in your case, you're talking about your employment mm -hmm. doesn't really get like in, mm -hmm. in today, in today's it's a world, basic it, human need. It's a basic human need yeah. now, now, especially, you know, it's right. like in, in the, in the developed world, you know, your, well, I mean, like, your job even... is as, as important, if not more important than your family in a lot of cases, without it, you can't really survive. Right. And, and not to, yeah. to totally segue, but you know, I had a friend, God, 20 years ago who went to law school and she, um, she graduated, you know, fabulous in her class and she went to law school and she, um, she, you know, got a job at a fabulous firm and, you know, a year into it, she was like, I can't stand this. And she walked away from her, her law degree. She walked away from, you know, everything and then went into pharmaceutical sales and um, because she couldn't stand it. So that level of vulnerability is also hard. There's, there's a, a fear thing. So, um, you know, so there, there's, there's, you know, that vulnerability was was hard for me to accept but and it, and it's I, a, it's a I was happy that I did and um, because it like I said it, it, it freed up the brain space sure it, it you know for for when I got this awesome email from from some ferry company so yeah. this uh, miraculous timing I guess yeah but it happened, well no it, it, happens, it was it was like it was yeah. like a year later 
Okay. But it still was there. It was there when you needed to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the, what you've been doing in your real estate business since getting in, getting into, getting out of management, getting out of management, getting into coaching, Mm -hmm. like that. You've got an interesting sort of twist on what you're trying to do there. Mm-hmm. Can we tell the audience a little bit more about that and the reasoning for that? I think I think we've been angling in that direction yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for the conversation so yeah. far. Yeah. So like you're you know you've been you've been asked to speak you've been asked to speak at the Berkshire Hathaway conference. Mm-hmm. You know, the beginning of next year, mm-hmm. which is on a similar topic. So exactly. you know, I'd let, let's expand on that a little bit because yeah. I like I think. The your obviously your one of the points of the show is to try and find these incremental things that people can apply in their lives, not necessarily just in the area where the guest is focused, which in your case is in the real estate industry, mm-hmm. but the things that you're trying to do apply across industries. Um, so, um, so the the coaching opportunity you know presented itself and and manifested in in 2015 and so my uh, tenure as management ended at the end of 2015 um amicably you know it was it was a mutual like hey this is a great opportunity but you know we're gonna move on now i'm actually still with the same company Hmm. and um and so at the beginning i knew that i wanted to go back to sales i i was a great sales realtor and so now I had these two, these two hats, you know, that I'm wearing. That I'm I'm rebuilding my sales career alongside of you know coaching realtors all over the country and helping them build their careers. So I'm back down in the trenches with them, and um, but I also knew from my my first original sales stint that I didn't want to do it alone. Mm-hmm. So um, I partnered up. My partner's name is Sharon Bass, and she and I partnered together. It was kind of a slow kind of like dating process, and you know, and then we were like, okay, let's move in together, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, it's funny. We um, fast forward, right? We we just filed for. Um, we just got an LLC, so I'm like, hey, we got married. We finally got married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, so we're official. We we have a, a an Essig Bass partnership. So. Um, you know, it's been a really fun and neat journey. She's in um, a different phase in her life. She, her kids are grown. One of them is married. Um, my kids are, are 10 and 14 years old. So I'm in a different phase than you are. Sure. And, um, you know, the journey of life and the different seasons and phases or whatever you want to call them are sort of there. And, you know, as I, you know, got out of management and, you know, one of the things that I loved in management was really empowering people to be the best versions of themselves. And so, you know, stepping into coaching that I, you know, carried that, that concept with me. And then, um, as Sharon and I, and our partnership grew, you know, again, you know, our partnership is very much, you know, we both have our own skill sets that we bring to the table. Sharon's not been in the business as long as I have. Uh, I actually hired her in the office um, five years ago. That's cool. You know, so I have, you know, a vast, bigger skill set and experience. But one of the things is I'm empowering her to be her best version of herself. She, you know, this is her time. She's raised her kids. She's supported her husband in his career. And she's like, this is... This is my time, baby, you know? And so through that and then the evolution, we started um, growing a team. And Mm -hmm. we weren't actually going to be a team. We weren't going to be a team. When we we partnered up, we were like, oh, we're just going to be partners and maybe an assistant. Yeah. 
And at the beginning of the year of 2017, we both um, looked at each other and I got very inspired to focus my um, coaching and empowering on women. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and it's interesting that, you know, we had the Women's March and the, the hashtag Me Too and, you know, a lot of the, the lot, focus on women this year, this has, year yeah. it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I started that out and like you said, I am. I'm talking at the National Berkshire Hathaway Conference in um, in March, and one of my talks is on empowering women, and um, it's called "Leading in Heels: A Women's Guide to Stepping into Leadership." And um, you know, I, again, in my journey, mm-hmm. because really life is a journey. Sure, it's you're always learning and changing and growing and, and, you know, um, Kevin, our, um, I don't think it's actually Kevin's quote, but he said it at a manager's meeting. If you're not growing, you're dying. And, um, and I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, I think that the help for women, you know, like for example, and, and I'm, you know, Cheryl Sandenberg, God bless her soul. Um, I read her lean in book and I, I got really annoyed about, a third of the way through <laughs> and um, and I just put it down because I found that I felt like she was yelling at women why don't you want to be a leader why why don't you want to be a leader there's you know there's there's a lot of you know women are, are, are in the workforce and you know things are split you know a lot more in households and this and that but why aren't there more women CEOs <laughs> And, and it, the reason that it annoyed me is because, well, maybe we don't want it. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not focusing on women in leadership from a standpoint of that I'm going to browbeat you because you should want to run a team or stand on stage and, and talk or, yeah. or do any of those things that people think is leadership, so yeah. to speak, be a CEO or whatever. What I want to be able to do is empower women, you know, what does leadership mean for your business, your life, and, and knowing that, that if you want it all, you can have it all. Mm. But you have to use those leadership skills to build it so that you can have it all. But and having it all mean, meaning different things to different yeah, people. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the th- that's the thing that gets me in, especially in the political discourse that we have mm-hmm. now. Something that has always bothered me through this process is when people discuss the term equality. It's such a loaded term because it's thrown around as if to say equality means everybody does all of the same things at exactly the same way, but. It all has to be done, you know, in the same way as the ones that have been doing it before. I mean, just the, the way that the way that I like to explain that is, for example, is like, why aren't there more women CEOs? I don't know. Why aren't there more women wearing pantsuits and neckties and jackets and standing around getting drunk watching football with their friends? Maybe because they just don't want to. Like right. like that like that well, equality, I, equality not, doesn't equality for women doesn't right. mean 
women need to be, act, look, smell, talk. Like a man. And do things exactly. like a man. That's We're not the same thing. We're wired differently. Yes. You're wired differently than I am. And, yeah. and, and thank God. And thank God. <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, and so yeah. I think that, you know, again, kind of going back to, um, you know, I've been, we've been married, uh, I guess, 17 and a half years, we've been together 21 years, and, you know, any number of, you know, three or four stints in marriage therapy and any number of, you know, marriage therapy books that we've utilized, used, mm -hmm. utilized, read to help stay together because we want to stay together. Sure. But, you know, there are times when, you know what, I don't think he liked me very much. And quite <laughs> frankly, I didn't like him either. Sure. Um, but we knew that we want to be together. Mm. And, um, you know, understanding how we're wired differently. And that's okay. And so, you know, I go, I go back to you know, the sort of beration of why aren't more women in leadership? It's okay. We're wired differently. And, um, you know, that the, the people who have mothers, I mean, I'm sorry, have babies, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you want to stay at home. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. That's yeah. not my thing. Do it well. It's like get after I it and do that, it well. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some species that eat their young, and, and I think I would have killed my children if like, I had yeah. stayed at home. Yeah. Um, I love them dearly, and I have two amazing girls. And I think that's also where the focus on empowering women is coming from, is from my girls. It's, um, it's, it's wanting to be an incredible role model for them. I, I vacillated over and over and over again. Do I quit my job and be at home? That's that's one of those vulnerable things that yeah. I had to get vulnerable about. Was am I am I doing the wrong thing by getting up and leaving and going by staying by staying by, at work? Yeah. By staying at work, am I doing yeah. the wrong thing? Am I doing them a disservice and being a powerful role model for my girls because I I didn't have a great role model in my own mother and I. My mother had an injury in the 90s. I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And the doctors gave her, put her on prescription pain medicine. Okay. That, uh, I think, coupled with likely some semblance of an undiagnosed mental illness mm -hmm. and chronic, long-term, lifelong pain, the doctors just continued to prescribe uh, OxyContin and um, and then they get they layered on the Xanax, which was great, which I think that that cocktail over the course of 10, 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, however long Destroy it was, her, it, it, her, her personality is really, you know, very challenging. And, and quite frankly, she was really not there for me as a mother, as an adult, when I had my babies, when I got married, when I was dating, you know, my now husband and we broke up before we got married and, you know, those kinds of things. She just wasn't there. And so I've been in this sort of introspection of, of why I want to empower women. And I think that it's become, it's come from wanting to be for my daughters, what my mother wasn't for me or mm -hmm. isn't for me, wanting to provide a platform for other women to be fearless, to, to, to circle back to our first conversation, to be vulnerable, to not be afraid to be vulnerable, to, to really, it's okay to be selfish. The word no is a complete sentence. <laughs> and, you know, looking at my journey in seeking out 
other strong women, other strong role models to capture little nuggets from a variety of people, people that, that may not even know that they gave these nuggets to me. You know, there was the, the woman down the street of that who lived next door to our first house. Mm-hmm. You know, she had three kids. They were, again, they were in an older phase in their life and their kids were older and she, just to watch her, she, you know, works for the city and she's dedicated to, to Baltimore and to cleaning up the city. And yet she also still, you know, was married to her husband for 30 years and, um, and raised three, you know, great kids, three, you know, productive people into society. And, you know, I don't need my kids to go to Harvard or Stanford or anything like that. I just want to raise, you know, elegant, elegant, graceful, educated, productive citizens in society, Mm -hmm. people who are going to give back people who care more people like her. Huh? More people like her. Exactly. Like, it's like they're every, everybody had, knows those people in their life when they've when they've come mm-hmm. across them. It's like, my God, how the hell do you keep it together? Where do you come from? Like, how do you man- just yeah the like you said, I, I I wasn't sure where that story was going. It's like where like also being married for X amount of time, also you know have you know, right like producing, being married, like, having yeah. having some semblance of a healthy, stable marriage, having kids that nobody's in jail. Everybody went to college. Everybody yeah. has a stable job. You know, her two daughters still have two, you know, they're, they are now married and have kids. And, you know, you know, so from, from that, because my parents have numerous marriages and I won't bore the audience with all that because <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. But, um, you know, I have no role model for a healthy marriage. I have no role model for a strong female that is professional and can go working and you know so i just seek i seek it out in my world to find those people that can provide me with that platform like okay i see what she's doing it's possible to have a lifelong marriage you know you hear of marriages that are breaking up and you know and again and that's where you know i want to go with yeah you know what you can have it all you got to want it yeah and you're going to have to work for it and you're going to have to let stuff go yeah it's like, and it's going to be a bitch, and it's going to hurt, and it's yeah. going to it's going to be work, and but you know, can, like yeah. you're you're in the realm right now where you've got this seven month old and a two and a half year old. Mm-hmm. You know, my best advice sometimes for that, and you're probably going to be like, "How did you know?" Is to embrace the chaos. <laughs> you know, a lot of moms, especially the moms who are working and they're hot. You know, there there's so much to do. You know, you come home and there's toys everywhere, and you know, and you're just like. Oh, you know, it's like, who cares? Mm. It doesn't matter if the toys are everywhere, except for when you step on a Lego, because that is really painful. Yep. It's like you're le- not Legos. there yet. No, God, God, God bless Legos. They, they, they have been, they've been sharing the, the joy of, of building, building and, pe- you know, podiat- podiatry appointments for 50 Don't years now. Legos. I know they're crazy. Yeah. He's like, so, God, God yeah, bless them, know, but nothing hurts more than a Lego. <laughs> embracing the chaos. I remember um, an agent, she asked me a long time ago, this was years ago when my kids were much smaller. She goes, God, how do you do it all? And I was like, well, I have a little secret. I don't. <laughs> or I don't. Yeah. You're right. Um, I'm like, I don't shower every day. And, um, and I, I gave up. I let go. That's what I was saying before. I let go of the idea of perfect. Yeah. Uh, my house is not perfect. You know, a little bit of an occupational hazard. You know, we go and we show homes and many of them are all 
cleaned and decluttered and staged and they look great and you come home and you're like, God, I live in a shithole. There's so much stuff everywhere. And, you know, and so you had to kind of in this business, you had to kind of get over that a little bit. Like my house is not for sale and it's not going to look I don't like live that. In a, I don't live in the model unit. I don't live in the model unit and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's uh, I, I also whoever you choose to live this life with your spouse has to be supportive. Yeah. If you're in an entrepreneurial realm, and quite frankly, in any business, whether you're you're a nine to five job, or you're an entrepreneur, you and your partner have to be on board. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my mentors said the same thing to me. You know, does your husband support you? And I can't tell you enough. Despite the ups and downs and the journeys, he has a hundred percent been at my side and my cheerleader and. Lately, with all the hats that I'm wearing, I think that he's doing more of the load. You know, I mean, he's schlepping the kids to. I'm in the I'm in the sports hell time where you know I've got <laughs> I've got five different sports and schedules and games and tournaments and and then I've got a high schooler who's got any number of after school extracurricular activities. I don't know where she got all that from <laughs> apple does not fall far from the tree <laughs> mom i'm going to after school this i'm i'm doing this i'm oh i signed up for this club i'm you know it's funny so uh i guess that my my parenting is showing up paying off but yeah he's doing more and it's it's awesome because it's allowing me to do all the things that I do, but it's not that I'm not there either. You know, yeah. we, we also outsource a ton so that he could, because he's full-time sales software. He does his thing, you know? So we're both very much in our careers and love our careers. He loves what he does. I yeah. love what I do. And then we come together and it's chaotic and he's taking somebody here and I'm taking somebody there and somehow we're feeding everybody. And, and somehow a minimum of four nights a week, we eat dinner together, at home, at at the dinner table. Yeah, that, that's that's something that's important to, to carry me as well. Like, we, like no matter no matter what's happening, we're always eating dinner together as a family. It's like including, stay that it's way. Like including the toddler. He's like including the toddler, and now that she's eating salads, include including Ada, the baby. Yep. the baby. Yeah. So no, it is. It's, it's a big thing. I mean, the, what what I find interesting about what you said is. It you there there is no normal. It's like what with the if I can distill our entire conversation to this point is that there is no normal. You make your normal, and if you're like in your in this case is what we're talking about. If you're married, you discuss and you come to a consensus of what is your normal. And as long as as long as you don't get fly off the rails of what is that normal. Things will generally be okay. It's like the like when sometimes sometimes things fly off the rails and that might trigger a conversation. Shit happens. But you know, at the end of, at the end of the day, if you know, you have to come up with your own normal. Like we were, like we were saying about is like like women women want equality. Translates to women need to be the CEO of four, of Fortune five hundred companies. No, maybe. If that's what's no, like maybe if that's what's normal or if that's what that one particular woman might want. No, but when but, you find, but you see, I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna just straight up disagree with you. Okay. When women say they want equality, 
They want to be able to, and I'm going to get real blunt and go real political, and I don't know if you're going to like this or not. But I don't care. What women want yeah. is we want to be able to have a conversation without wondering if, is he looking at my chest? Is does he is he taking the wrong cue? Is he, you know, like, I, I don't need to hear, you look nice today, because how many times do we say that to a man? We don't. <laughs> so from an equality standpoint, it's just like, I don't want to worry. I don't want to have to worry. I don't want to have to have this conversation that I have already had with my 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, ha- and I've already had it. Hey, you have to be careful where you present yourself, how you dress, how you show up. You don't want to go and get drunk because gang rapes happen at high school drunk parties. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to put yourself into that position. I don't want to have to have that conversation, even though I already have. Because the blame is still on the victim now. That's what we mean by equality. I don't want to have to worry that some guy is going to beat the crap out of her. Like um, Yardley Love's boyfriend did. I don't want to have to worry that... My daughter is always going to be, sorry, daughters, are always going to have to be smarter, faster, quicker, wittier, Mm -hmm. everything than their male counterparts to get the same job Yeah. for less pay. I know that I have been paid less for the exact same job than my male counterparts. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by equality. I don't mean that I need more CEOs because that's not what it's about. It's about that, you know what? I'm just as smart as you. I have more experience than you. I have more skills than you and you're gonna pay me less or you're gonna tell me to be quiet? No. Again, no is a complete sentence. You know, it's about women not feeling the need so I keep saying no as a complete sentence. Here's why I say that. Honey, can you do this? If she can't, her answer may likely be, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I can't. Why? Can't it just be no? No. Yeah. No. He's like, he's like, why, he's like why do you feel necessary to say I'm, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Many times, I don't know, I, I guarantee you, the listeners that are listening, if you're, if you're female... If you have to say no, it's probably 95 to to 100% coupled with, I'm sorry. There's no need to be sorry. No, it's okay. So I'd like women to feel more empowered to be selfish, to be okay with having goals and and dreaming big you know one of the questions i'm i'm working with both my team and my coaching clients right now is what do you really want from next year what do you really want and i don't mean oh i want to make this much money or i want to go on this vacation i don't mean any of that i mean like really yeah really 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 actually want? like really want yeah you know and so you know out of not that what, not what pictures do you want to post on facebook about what you did right what do you actually what do you want, actually, you actually want? want exactly and taking that and be you know be vulnerable let 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 those dreams percolate 
to the surface, you know, let it be. Don't be afraid that if you dream that that it won't happen, because I think that people get caught up in the fact that dreams don't happen. Well, they can if you have a good plan Mm -hmm. and if you delegate. Yeah. And if you embrace your authenticity and your vulnerability, you will absolutely get whatever it is you want. Hands down, we always make time for what we want. That is true. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty pretty solid place to wrap up, actually. Um, don't really see us hitting too many higher points than that. One last question that I like to ask everybody that comes on to the Small Moves podcast, as because the, the concept of the show being finding the small incremental things that can make big differences over time. Um, can you, in recent memory, what purchase have you made for yourself or for somebody closely around you of a hundred dollars or less that's had the most dramatic impact on your life? That's a really good question. Got to keep the, it's like, got to keep the number down. (laughs) It's like one, one for the interest of the guests. If somebody, Mm -hmm. if somebody's having a similar problem, we don't want to say, you know what? I've got the greatest thing in the world that, that, that you could possibly do hire a personal assistant and have them move in with you and have them live with you. Like that is, no. a, yes, that would no. be the greatest goddamn thing in the world. So not everybody say, can do can that. Can I say two things? Yes. Okay. Um, you're going to laugh at the first thing. Okay. <laughs> um, in my space, mm-hmm. I'm immersed in a lot of education opportunities, which constantly remind us to read books. Mm-hmm. I wear a lot of hats and I really don't have time to read. Don't books. have time. To read. <laughs> Now, I will also say that um, I was reading, like, I read gobs and gobs of self-help books. And quite frankly, I got really tired of them. And I said to myself, you know, I just want to read for pleasure. So I lie. I am reading books. But the books, the full books that I read are novels. Fiction. They're fiction. Yep. Um, So, you know, it's been my goal to try to read, like, six novels a year. That's, you know, God, I probably went a decade and didn't pick up a novel, Mm -hmm. right? So... I'm like, ah, like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but I still want, I'm still very much on, you know, the learning self-improvement mode. So I came across an app called Blinkist. <laughs> I knew you were gonna laugh. So Blinkist, it's a free app on your phone, but the premium membership is like $69, $70. Okay. And why? Because why am I saying buy the app? First off, they have a ton of books. And Blinkist, the concept of it, it's like Cliff Notes for Audible. Okay. Okay. So, or Cliff Notes, you can read the shorts. They, they basically synopsize books. Okay. And they're constantly adding more books to the library. You can, and, and the Upgrade Premium membership lets you do two things. It lets you listen to the book. That's so cool. not only do I not have to read it, I can just listen to it. But here's the thing. I listen to them when I'm putting my makeup on. I listen to them when I'm in the car. Um, I can listen to them instead of having to read them, which is huge. You can also take notes and it will translate. It'll, um, it'll put them. You can highlight stuff. And it'll sync. It'll sync with Evernote. Oh, that's great. I love Evernote. Which is my... Oh, I actually have three then. <laughs> Evernote's premium membership is $79. Yes. Another... Awesome tool. One of the best purchases I've ever made in my life. God I love Evernote. Evernote. We yeah. we do all of our transaction management. I um, 
we put our um, like I'll take notes at a home inspection and I take pictures with the home inspector right there and I can send that right off to the seller when we represent a seller. Um, we have everything in Evernote. We can sync emails, documents, you name it. I share notebooks with my family, my husband, my, my team, you name it. Evernote's great. And then Evernote syncs, syncs with Blinkist. My last most impactful thing that I can possibly say, and this is actually free, drink water. And lots of it. Now, why do you say that? What's your basis for that one? My basis for that is that we are a society, we are overworked and overtired and running, running, running. And I think we are all chronically dehydrated. And that then causes us to either drink more coffee, eat more food, you know, or whatever. And so sugar, sugar, food, yeah. whatever. And the water helps keep you fuller longer. It can give you a lot of energy, it, any number of things. And it's just a great tip. You know, I, I carry my, my water bottle around with me all over the place and so do my kids. And it's just, it's, it's, an, it's a completely free, there's water filling stations everywhere. It's a completely free. So, you know, buy yourself a water bottle, buy yourself a good, you know, something like, what are they? Am I allowed to use work? You know, buy a swell, buy corksicle, buy something that, you know, you like and you enjoy. A little tidbit, I like to buy water bottles when I'm on vacation because it then reminds me of my vacation because I carry them around with me. Those are, that's my souvenir. So like oh, that's the, interesting. The thing okay. that, that's over there, I bought it in Alaska. Oh, that's very cool. And it's got an eagle on the side of it. It's very cool. That's awesome. Um, Alicia? If the audience wants to track you down or say thank you or follow you on social or Facebook or whatever it might be, where can people find you? Oh, my gosh. Web, website, um, social People can find media. me everywhere. Um, you, you Google me and you're going to find uh, all kinds of things. But, you know, uh, EssigBass.com is our business website. The um, You can find me on Facebook, which is, um, you know, just friend me on Facebook. Just look me up and shoot me a friend request. Uh, if I don't respond, uh, it might be because we don't have any friends in common. If we don't have any friends in common, then just shoot me a message. Say, hey, I listen to your podcast and I'd love to be friends with you. Great. Um, I am very authentic and I put all the stuff out there. I go live and I talk about whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm all over social media. I'm on Snapchat, Instagram. Cool. LinkedIn. Just cool. look for my name. A-L-Y-S-S-I-A. Got it. You, you type in that, and likely there's not that many of us with that spelling of a that name. That spelling, yeah. If you just Google that, you probably will find some yeah. semblance my, of the redheaded my, version of me. My who's like my predictive, you know, the predictive texting on my phone uh -huh. never, ever, ever, ever gets your name right. Oh, no, it doesn't. Absolutely never, ever, A-L-Y-S-S-I-A. Yeah, I grew up with teachers. Like, I could tell my name was kind of in the middle of the pack, and they'd go down, and they if they didn't know how to say my name, there was this pause. <laughs> Uh, Alicia. Um, is there any, before we go? Is there anything else that you want to tell? Is there anything else that you want to hit that we haven't hit? You know, like, is on there my name. You want to tell the audience. Um, something I came up with about ten years ago is you know it's a little rule of thumb. I don't correct people unless we eat a meal together. And well, that's interesting. Uh, interesting. Course. If you if you think about that concept, if we're eating a meal together, then we're close enough to be spending time to share, to break bread. 
And so as you move around in life, then don't sweat the small stuff with people that you're not breaking bread with. But if you do break bread with them, then cherish those relationships. Alicia, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I do apologize a little early on in the episode. There was a little bit of background noise there that I was able to solve a little bit later. So I do apologize for that. I had a blast chatting with Alicia during this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it as well. You know, we got a lot out of her. Like I said, the conversation really sort of spanned a lot of different topics, which I think really needed to be chatted about. Really quick before you go, please go to your podcast service, whichever you happen to use, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or whatever it might be, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. I've got a couple of really great episodes coming up as well in the near future. Not to mention, go over to smallmoves.co forward slash community. That will take you to the community Facebook page and go ahead and give it a follow, like, whatever you care to do, and let me know what you thought about this show. I really enjoyed this chat with Alicia, and we have more coming in the near future. So go ahead and subscribe and let me know what you think, and if you have any suggestions for other guests that are equally as awesome as Alicia was, uh, go ahead and leave me those comments as well. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the show, and I really look forward to talking to you next time around. You've got this.